Good evening, everyone. How you doing? Great, Jack. We're doing great. We're fantastic here. So, hey, uh, thanks so much for being here. Um, we are just thrilled to have you here at Element City Church. So, I'm Jack, one of the pastors, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, especially if you're new. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are new, a couple different things to let you know about. We've got a free app we would love to invite you to download. And you can go to your app store, just type in Elements with an S, Element City Church. You could download that. And while you're on there, you'll find a whole bunch of different things. So, you'll find different messages over the last few years. You can find a playlist of music and songs that you'll sing, that we sing here and that you can uh, kind of enjoy that throughout the week. You can find different things like uh, the calendar of events, different stuff that's happening and coming up with that. We'll be updating more of that this week. And also you can fill out the connection card. So if you happen to be new tonight, we'd love to invite you to fill out the connection card, which you can do in a couple different ways. Either on the app, just says connection card. It's a couple quick texts and we are connected. We know it takes courage coming to a new place and kind of getting your bearings around things. We're going to send you one text a week. I promise we won't spam you. But we'll be able to walk with you and kind of answer questions as we go over the next few weeks. We'd love to invite you to kind of make Elements kind of your home church and be here on Sunday nights and help you find your fitting and find your connection around with different e-groups or different activities that are going on around here. So you can fill out that connection card that way or you can just text the word hello to our text number, which is 520-340-6868. Just text the word hello Hello to that, a couple quick texts, and we're all connected, and glad to have you here. So, uh, tonight we're going to continue on in our Sermon on the Mount series, we're going to worship for a little bit, we'll worship toward the end, and uh, I think tonight's just a real challenge night that Jesus kind of has for us, and I, I hope that it's a blessing to you, and as every Sunday, we pray for the church of the week because we know we've got a million plus people in southern Arizona that aren't connected in any, any kind of church or faith community, and we can't reach them all. And so we want to pray for a neighborhood church in Kyle Coffin, who's the pastor there. And so if you're here in the house or you're watching online, uh, thrilled to have you dialed in. If you're here, I'm going to ask you that you'd stand up with us as we pray and start our evening. We'll dive into worship together. If you're at home... You can stand up if you want, but we won't see. So um, let's, let's dive into prayer. So God, we pray for Neighborhood Church tonight and for Pastor Kevin. We ask your blessing over them uh, and over their reach, uh, the, the area of the city that you've planted them. We pray that you'd give them the provision and wisdom and discernment to reach the people around them, that you continue to leverage them for your good in this city. God, we're asking for our time tonight as we just worship you, as we lean into your presence, as we look into your word. God, would you have your way tonight? Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to move in our hearts. Every single person here, every single person watching online comes with a whole bunch of agenda items swirling around in our lives, a whole bunch of activity. And we wanna dedicate this, this next hour to kind of hit pause in life, to pause and lean into your presence. So we invite you here to minister to our hearts. We want to have met with you and leave here different because we did. And so we just kind of take a deep breath hit pause on life. And God, we're asking that we'd interact with you tonight in worship, in your word, and that we would leave here different. No matter where we are in our spiritual journey, would you minister to our hearts and meet us, allow us to see and sense your love, your delight, your grace, and your hope for us. Would you be active, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.
skies are wide Crashing down to bring the world to life Hope came dancing on an empty grave Death has lost its rule to the king of graves Be the crown in the light and sound Burning inside out Be the love Casting out all fear Let your name Move the atmosphere
great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your
Father's heart The mystery he lavishes on us As deep cries out too deep How desperately he wants us The things of Stand next to him
Yes, Lord, we come before you tonight. Lord, we just ask that during this time, you would speak to us. Just pray for every heart in the room to be open to receive what you have in store for them tonight. Father, we love you and we're thankful that we get to do this week in and week out. We get to come together, one voice, and worship our God and King. So speak to us during this time. We ask you, Father. Lord, I pray for Pastor Jack that you would just anoint the words that we're about to hear. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Amen. So good to worship together, whether you're joining online or here in the room, thrilled to to gather, as Micah said, just every week to really kind of put our focus on God. And um, <clears throat> tonight we're kind of beginning to wrap up a series that we've spent the summer kind of diving into. And maybe you've been traveling some, you've caught up online, or maybe you've missed a few here and there. You can always go back in the app and catch up with that. It's been a fun journey kind of going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, if, if you're kind of new to the Bible or kind of new to understanding this, this is a sermon that Jesus would have given. And some scholars say it's like 14 sermons some say it's one long sermon. Uh, it, it, it definitely is, would last longer than our normal time together if, if the whole thing was said. And so this idea of what Jesus is getting at is kind of saying, listen, you know, the, the law said, here's how you're to live life with God. And it was a challenge and people couldn't live up to it. And yet the Sermon on the Mount is kind of actually drilling down even a little bit deeper. This is what it means to, to not just live this out in obedience of like accomplishing or you know, kind of checking things off and a task list, but kind of becoming the kind of person that will live in the way and the flow of God and what he's designed and what he calls us to. And so and the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And toward the tail end, uh, I want to spend uh, this week and next week kind of unpacking the last few verses of this. And, and again, if you missed anything, you can feel free to go back and, and look at that. Jesus talks about everything in the world in this sermon. He talks about everything from money and our possessions and how do we deal with that? How do we deal with prayer? How do we love our enemies, which is a challenge? And how do we uh, approach judgment? And how do we bring judgment on others? And how do we not? And so and there's a whole lot to say in here about relationships and about how we navigate that. And <clears throat> here's our hope, our intent throughout this whole summer has been that we would, we would kind of walk alongside Jesus and hear his heart for, the, for living life. Jesus is the one who said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. That you may, you and I would experience the life that we were designed and, and determined to really have, and that so much of in our living life in the world kind of deviates away from that. And we don't want to miss out on the best way to possibly live. That's really what the Sermon on the Mount, and, and what's interesting is there's two different audiences. Uh, the, the text says in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus went up and the crowds gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And so there's two groups of people 
in this audience in that moment. There's a crowd that's gathered around, and then there's these early disciples, people who are discipling, who are following after, kind of like apprenticing their life after Jesus. And he's teaching to both sets of people. And he's unpacking some things of here's what it means to live a life with God and what that begins to look like in the everyday way of how we live. And so in that, he begins to lay some things out. And then last week, we kind of stopped in verse 11. Verse 12 is what maybe you have heard said, the golden rule, if you've ever heard that phrase before. Uh, Verse 12 is that. So I'm going to pick up with that because we didn't get a chance to unpack that last week. And then I want to read a section, kind of unpack that. And it really is driving to a reality, to a decision moment for you and for me. That's where Jesus is going to go in this text in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 7. If you have your smartphone, you can open up the church app, go down to sermon notes, and you can follow along there with us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, what's he mean by sums up the law and the prophets? Meaning, okay, take everything the prophets have written, take the whole Old Testament, basically. Everything hangs on this statement. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like when you hang a mirror at your house and you put a nail in the wall and then you hang the mirror on it. What he's saying is if you pull this nail, if you pull this, then everything falls and crumbles. Everything's hanging on this. This is what it means. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is what some scholars, some people have heard it called the golden rule. This is how we're to live our life. This is the rule that governs your life. Now, rule is not this idea of, okay, i got to follow the rules and be obedient to the rules. I don't want to deviate away. This is kind of a rule of life. Like, this is the way it should work out in how we live as a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're just investigating spiritual things, and I think it is awesome that you're here. In fact, we want to be a church where you don't have to be part of the convinced to belong, where you can be on a spiritual journey. And if that's you, you're kind of searching things out, then I hope you find this to be a safe place to begin to lean into who this Jesus really is. And what he's saying is, as a follower of him, this is to be the rule of life of how you live. The golden rule is not a negative ethic compelled by fear. It's actually one compelled by love. In fact, in Jesus' audience in the first century, people would have heard the Jewish rabbi named Hillel. And Hillel had taught this, and and some Jewish historian had written it down and said, basically, a Gentile came to uh, this Jewish uh, rabbi Hillel and said, listen, I'll convert to Judaism if you can, like, sum up the entire law in a sentence. And this is what he said. Do not do to your fellow what you hate to have done to you. He put it in a negative sense, this negative bent to it. The whole law rests on this explanation. You'll notice that his statement was in this negative, like, do not do. And as you examine the golden rule, it's taught by almost every other religion in the world, has some sort of kind of golden rule that you're to live by. It's usually cast in the negative light. And when religion is taught in the negative light, it kind of has a whole list of thou shalt nots, and it attempts to compel people to behave in a certain manner so that you do not violate that and therefore face consequences from that. But the apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 says this, listen, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected by love. See, when Jesus makes this statement, he's not casting it in a negative light. That's what people would have known 
in his day. What he's turning, he's spinning this, is, is creating a whole new significance to it. He's putting it in this positive, not in a passive way, where we try to avoid something, but where we actually have initiative to accomplish something, to partner. This is an active thing, not a passive thing. By stating this positively, Jesus is actually bringing this to a fuller significance. This isn't about trying to reframe from harming someone, but it is much more difficult because it's taking the initiative to do something good and to be a blessing to others. A person who may be able to uh, keep a negative form of the law by avoiding sin, but to keep the positive form requires action. This isn't passive, this is active. The way of Jesus is a way that impacts relationships with his love. It isn't just about avoiding sin or negative things by cocooning in on oneself. It is about having a positive and godly influence upon others. So Jesus is saying, everything I've just talked about for chapter five, six, and seven, what I want you to do is live with this rule of life that you would do to others as you would have them do to you that you would live in this way where you're influencing that way. And then he begins to try to come toward the tail end of the sermon. And what you know and what I know is anyone who's coming to an end of a TED Talk, anyone who's coming to an end of a presentation at work, like they're beginning to try to summarize. And what are they trying to do in the midst of that? They're trying to get you to make a decision, to choose something. They're putting something before you to actually begin to choose. And that's what you're going to see in the life of the Sermon on the Mount. And what we begin to see toward the tail end of this is Jesus is beginning to push. He's beginning to push his hearers. Remember, there's two kinds of people who are listening. There's the crowd that's listening in. There's the early disciples that are a part of this. And he's beginning to push, what is your decision going to be? Here's how he says it. He's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. He's describing clearly that some will be let into the kingdom of heaven. Some will miss it. The basis for a person's final destination will be the person's decision around him, around himself, is what Jesus is saying. What you choose to do with me matters, is what he's saying. I want you to choose me. That's what he's saying. Verse 13 through 21, here's how he begins to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were ferocious wolves. By your fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Well, the answer would be no. Do people pick figs from thistles? Well, the answer would be no. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears what? Bad fruit, like that's how it works. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, he says. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he says this verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's kind of this challenging statement. Jesus, in this moment, is saying, listen, it's not just about giving lip service to me. This is about, have you made a decision? about me. So what I want us to lean into tonight is the tail end of this sermon, and we'll look at it this week and, and next week. We'll pick some applications out for us. But the application tonight is, 
choose Jesus. It's a decision moment. It's kind of the tail end of this sermon that he's giving, the tail end of this communication. And Jesus is a good preacher, and he's nearing the end of the sermon, and he's trying to bring it home and make it personal, and he's trying to bring his teaching home, and he's saying, listen, my teaching is not just to be praised, it's to be practiced. This isn't about just going, hey, that's really nice. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad I know that in my head now. It's to actually, let's apply this and begin to live this out. My teaching is not just to be commended. It's to be carried out. The word narrow here, when he talks about this narrow gate, and narrow is the road, and only a few find it. He's saying the word narrow here in Greek is literally this idea of being smothered, to be pinched, to be kind of sort of stuck in a pipe. How many of you are claustrophobic? And that just gave you the heebie-jeebies to think about that. Like, how many of you have ever been, like, in a, <clears throat> a really small space, and, like, you can just feel your skin begin to crawl a little bit? You're like, I have got to get out of this moment. Anyone can relate to that? So, in, in essence, Jesus is saying, look, narrow is this road, and, and not many people will find it. And, and we don't like that because we want wide open spaces. What he's saying is this narrow road is actually challenging. This narrow road is hard. It's not easy. See, broad is the road. That's easy. And many people will find that. Jesus is saying everybody has faith commitments, no matter who you are. There's no neutrality in this. There is a call for us. Everyone is on a road, he's saying. Any, every one of you, myself included, is basing your life and your decisions for tomorrow on whether there is or is not an afterlife. You are making decisions around your life, whether you believe that or not, and if you believe it or not, on, on whether there is a judgment day coming that God's going to bring, or if there's not, in your opinion. If there actually is a God in heaven who spoke through the scriptures, or if there's not. You're making decisions in your life based on what you believe in that. Everyone is on a road. The question is, which one are you on? And Jesus is saying something that's very narrow here, which we don't like, especially in our culture of choice and our culture of multiple options, because we like it to be wide open. But Jesus is saying, listen, there's no neutrality when it comes to me. There's not a lot of roads that go up the mountain to the same destination. How many of you are trail runners or you like to go out jeeping or things like that? My hunch is if you've ever been out on a mountain trail, you have noticed that there are probably many trails to get up to the top of the mountain. And many people in a modern context believe that's what it is when it comes to religion. That, okay, everyone's trying to pursue and go after God, so there's probably different roads that all get us up to the top of the mountain where God is. And the modern mindset says, well, that's what religion is. Religions are just different vehicles or different paths to get us to God. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. And many people push back against that, and they struggle with Jesus because he's saying, listen, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. You are on one or the other, is what he's saying. And that's challenging. That seems exclusive in one way. The modern image is all religions are different, but they're different roads that lead to the top of the same destination. And Jesus is on a head-on collision with that mindset and that reality. No, there are not many roads that lead to one destination. There are two roads, he's saying. They lead to two different destinations. There's no neutrality. You find the true God on the narrow road. 
is what Jesus is saying. Christianity is actually incredibly inclusive because it's open to any and to all. But it's also narrow in a vital way. And I'll prove that. It's narrow in a vital way because here's the reality what you know about life, what I know about life. Narrow is the road or narrow is the way to get to great accomplishments of things. For example, if you want to be a doctor, like if you want to be a good doctor, let's say that, any doctors in the house? If you want to be a good doctor, a good nurse practitioner, here's what you know to be true. It means an awful lot of years of school, of virtually doing nothing but studying, and in your time of residency, you're doing nothing but preparing to be a doctor. You are absolutely narrow in your focus. You're intensely, fully committed, even if you don't want to be, in order to get to be what you're wanting to be. Anyone who wants to get in shape knows that you have to be narrow in your focus. You have to be diligent about it in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Broad is the road, welcome to America, where people are out of shape. That's the reality. Narrow is the road where people say, no, I'm going to put restrictions on myself. I'm going to live this way. If you want to be a world-class musician, you better practice 8 to 10 hours a day. You practice a long time. It's narrow is the road, but it will make you and bring you to a fullness and a freedom of being a person who can have great performances musically. We have all gone to plays and to orchestras and appreciated the narrow focus people have given in order for us to experience the beauty of what is. If you want to make money, you have to intensely look at investment opportunities. You've got to look and look and discern and discern and only go after authentic investment opportunities. You get rid of the phony and the bogus ones. They take you down a broad road that doesn't get you where you want to go. You want to have a world-class company or corporation, then quality, quality, quality. You have to constantly go after the narrowness of quality if you want to eventually have the fullness and the life of prosperity. That's the reality of it. In every area of life, I could go on, talks about this idea of narrowness is actually what leads us to fullness and expression of that. See, but broad is the road that leads to destruction away from life. Jesus says the fact that you can find narrowness leading to fullness in all these other areas of life is because I've built the universe that way. In the area of most importance, our relationship with God, our soul's prosperity, it's the same way. Jesus tells us that it's here. There are two roads, not multiple roads, there's two. Narrow and broad. And you want to find the narrow road. You want to choose me. I'm presenting something to you that you will want. And he's being really blunt about it. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 14. Where in 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is incredibly exclusive. That's what Jesus is saying. There's not many roads there's one. I'm calling you to choose the road that will lead you to life. You can choose a different road, but it will not lead you to life. It will lead you somewhere else. You have a choice. This is what the Apostle Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name under heaven given to men or women by which they might be saved. This is incredibly exclusive. 
but it's incredibly inclusive because it's open to any and to all. You're either choosing Jesus, the narrow road, or you're choosing the other road. You put, to put it a different way, you're either an admirer of Jesus from afar or you're a follower of Jesus walking with him. That is the reality of what he's presenting at the tail end of the sermon that he's been preaching about all aspects of life. An admirer is impressed with someone. A follower is devoted to that someone. An admirer applauds that someone. A follower surrenders their life to that someone. See, many people admired Jesus, but a few devoted themselves to him. And that's what Jesus is calling for. When Jesus gave this talk, again, there was two groups of people in this. There was the crowd that had gathered around, and there was the early disciples who began to apprentice their life after Jesus. The whole crowd admired Jesus. At the very tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, you can read this in chapter 7, verse 28, 29. Here's what the crowd had to say about Jesus finishing his sermon. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were what? Amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law around them. They were amazed by what he said. They admired what he said. But see, when he was teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, this is the sermon that actually launched his whole entire ministry. When he began teaching that, there was a crowd that admired it. They appreciated it. But there were people that began to light up inside as he began to unpack this. And then began to say things like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting my whole life for. Without even knowing, without even being able to name it, to be cleansed and to be forgiven of my sin and all the junk parts of my life, to know God and to have life beyond worry and beyond fear, to not be a slave to sexual desire, unhealthy habits, or the need for more and more money, to be a part of God's cause to redeem the world, to have confidence that goes beyond the grave, to not be afraid of death anymore. I have in this world, I would rather have what this man is offering than the whole entire world. And it began to light up people within them. Therefore, I will do what he wants me to do. And I will go wherever he wants me to go. I'm leaving the crowd. I don't want to be an admirer anymore. I want to be a follower. I want to be a disciple. Here's the definition we've given to disciples around here. Someone who, is, someone who knows Jesus is becoming more and more like Jesus. And is seeking to live on mission with Jesus. A disciple is someone who is apprenticing their life after Jesus. Uh, they're trying to know him better, and they're trying to live more and more in alignment with what he has to say about life. And Jesus is constantly pushing and pulling and inviting people to move from being an admirer of him to being a follower of him. And all throughout the sermon, you see this. Jesus is describing, here's the kind of life that you could have. Here's the kind of life that deep down you really want, and you can have it. Even if you feel like you're a million miles away from God, what I'm telling you is life with God is available now, and you can begin to live this way. And at the tail end of this message, he's saying, listen, if you want life, then let me just repeat what he says. Then enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, that leads away from life. And many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. 
and only a few find it. And you want to find it. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're to love Jesus, surrender to Jesus, trust Jesus, follow Jesus, abide in Jesus, devote yourself to Jesus without reservation, without holding anything back. That's the call of someone who has said yes to Jesus. Now, do we get that perfect? No. What we want is to get better at that year after year. What is the broad way? Well, that's the easy way. That's the way of the crowd. That's the way of the world around us. It's what people do in our world. It's the path of least resistance. It's the kind of drift where you just kind of drift along. You admire Jesus. You appreciate who he is, but you reserve for yourself the right to do whatever you want. You kind of Sinatra your life. I'll do it my way, thank you. And so you just kind of approach that life. And that's an admirer but they're only following themselves. They're not following a savior or a leader or one who's created them to know them. And the end of the sermon is this call. There is no third category, you'll notice, throughout this. He kind of lists four different things at the tail end from verse 13 through verse 27. And he's saying, listen, there's two roads. There's two paths. There's two trees. There's two kind of disciples. There's two houses you build. Like, you have to choose. There's no neutrality. There's no one stagnant in this. There's no third category for a half-hearted commitment to Christ. There's a narrow gate or there's a wide gate. There's no third gate. There's a narrow road or there's a broad road. There's no third road. There's a good tree or there's a bad tree. There's no third tree. There's a true disciple. There's a false disciple. There's no third category. It really all comes down to, will I be wholly devoted to Jesus from my heart or will I not? Will I follow after Jesus or will I just admire him from a distance? Will I just appreciate what he talks about, and go, that's really nice, and that seems like that's a good way to live. See, if you ask folks who are in the admirer category of Jesus, do you believe in Jesus? They would most likely say, yeah, yeah, I kind of believe in Jesus, sort of, like in my own way. I think he was a good teacher. I think he had good things to say. I think he was a good humanitarian. Like, he, he did things that blessed people, and that's awesome. I wish we were more like that now. Maybe even people who are admirers would find themselves as people who actually maybe even go to church. Maybe they even give a little bit or they volunteer some ways. They may give some ways, and, but they really want to retain control over their life. See, if getting too close to Jesus would mean risking something, then I don't know if I want to get that close to risk something like my success at work, or I have to change my lifestyle, or humble myself to get help from a crumbling relationship, or get serious about immersing myself in scripture rather than just kind of drifting along, or uh, to not sleep with anyone who I'm not married to, or getting help with my anger issues, or some destructive habits I have in life. Like, I think I would like to get better, but I want to maintain control over my life, and so I just want to admire Jesus. I want to kind of keep him at arm's length. I want to be an admirer. But Jesus, this is my life, and and I'll do it my way. Hands off. I got this. See, those are admirers, and you may be admirers. They want the benefit of Jesus without the sacrifice or the commitment to live as he modeled to us and as he calls us to live as a follower of him. They admire Jesus, but they want to try to maintain a certain distance between them. 
Now, if the distance gets too far, then they may step in and go to church a little bit more. If they slip up or feel like they've sinned so much that they've created too vast of a gap, then maybe they'll work and do some things to try to get a little bit closer, but I'm still going to keep Jesus at arm's length. I don't want the gap to be too great, but I don't want the, the proximity to be too close to actually have to change who I am. We often may call or feel that they're even a spiritual chameleon in some ways. They're not teleos people like we've talked about. A teleos person is single-minded, single-hearted in following after Jesus. They're divided. And they know it, and even the people around them know it. And Jesus is challenging toward the tail end of this message. Listen, you have got to choose. There's one road. There's this other road. Like you're on one. Which one do you want to be on? Jesus is saying, I want you to move from admirer to follower. Now, how do you get a picture around this of what it feels like, what it begins to look like? Then uh, maybe I want to share a word with you. Uh, <clears throat> funambulist. Anyone ever heard of that word? Funambulist. Anyone know what that means? Wow, you don't know. I didn't know either uh, this week. I had to look it up. <clears throat> this is acrobat. It's a tightrope walker. It's what this means. Now, you may know uh, Nick Walanda, uh, who a few years ago has done different things and walked on a tightrope or a high rope around between buildings. One of the things he got famous for back in 2012 is he crossed Niagara Falls. And what you may not know is that he, wasn't the, he was the last person to do that, but he wasn't the first person to do that. What you may not know is that 150 years ago, there was a guy named Charles Blondin in 1859 who was from France, who came to the United States, was fascinated by Niagara Falls. He was an acrobat, a, uh, a tightrope walker. He wanted to cross on a rope, and he was the first one to ever do it. He strung a cord 1,100 feet across, 160 feet above Niagara Falls, and he began to walk across it. He would gather people around, and over a course of a couple of days, there was 100,000 people that gathered around. He was a showman, and he gathered people around to watch him walk across the rope, inch by inch, step by step. Can you imagine the drama of that moment? How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? It's a big, big deal. If you've, like if you've never been, you should just Google Niagara Falls because it's huge. Uh, and it's so much water and so much power in that moment. And he began to walk across it. He turned to the crowd. He went one time, uh, he went across and actually took a chair and sat in the middle and had a glass of wine. Like he began to walk back and forth across this and people were cheering like crazy because he kept doing it over and over again. And he said, do you believe I can do this? And people would cheer, yes, we believe you can do it. One time he took a wheelbarrow full of bricks and wheeled it across and wheeled it back across Niagara Falls. And then in a moment of daringness, he said to the crowd who was there, we believe that you can do it. And he dumped out the bricks and he said, who will get in the wheelbarrow with me? And silence over all the people. I believe you can do it. I just watched you do it. I believe. Get in the wheelbarrow? Oh, no. Oh, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. I admire you. I appreciate what you can do. But do that? No, uh ain't, ain't no, 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 no. But one man named Harry Colgard knew Blondin, and he had worked with him. And he went and sat in the wheelbarrow. And they walked across Niagara Falls 
and walked back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting in that wheelbarrow? See, you didn't just admire him. You actually went all in, literally, all in on him and put your faith and your trust in what he could do. He was the only one out of 100,000 people that trusted him, and they shared a walk together they, they would never, ever forget. No one else got to have that experience. Narrow is the road that leads to life, Jesus says. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and away from life. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, and everyone is amazed by him. He taught as no one like them and no one they knew around him. It's like he taught with this authority. Jesus, we believe in you. We admire you. The problem is Jesus never asked anyone to admire him. You won't find it in the gospel accounts. Jesus never said one time to someone, man, I really hope you admire me. What he said to people all the time is follow me. Get in the wheelbarrow. Follow me. Here's the question. Have you wholly devoted yourself to following Jesus? Not just admiring him. Not just believing things about him. Are you his follower? That's the question. Because that is the most momentous decision of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. To follow Jesus means I will do what he says, not just admire what he said. I'll actually put feet to this. Sure, I'm going to mess up a lot. I'm going to need his power. I know that. But I form the intention to say, God, with your help, the best I know how, I will do what you have to say. I will give you my life, my time, my obedience, my heart, my love, my devotion. The best I know how in the moment I'm in. But here's the thing. If you've never settled that intent, then it's best to be honest about it. If that's not your settled intent, then whatever you might be, you're not a follower. You're an admirer. And that's okay. But Jesus is challenging you to move from an admirer to a follower, to go from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. And that's different. Jesus is the only one with authoritative wisdom about how to live and find true life. He is the only one to bring about the possibility of forgiveness from your sin and mine. He is the only one who can give any kind of realistic hope of conquering death and life beyond the grave. He is the only one who promises to never leave or abandon you and has the fortitude and strength to stand with you in everything you face. Why would you not want to follow him? Jesus does not present himself in the scriptures as a good spiritual teacher to be admired from a distance. He presents himself as the king of the universe, the master of all things, the Lord over everything. And he's the one to be followed and to serve, to be obeyed and to be worshipped. So friend, where are you? On what road do you travel? Is it the narrow road where you've said yes to that? Is it the broad road where you're kind of arm's length, I've got this, I'll make the decisions. The choice is yours, is what Jesus is saying. You can either choose him or not. And maybe the invitation tonight is to re-choose him, to re-anchor yourself to him. Perhaps maybe you've drifted away from your devotion to him. You've kind of gone into the camp more and more of, I admire Jesus. 
but to go all in, like to get in the wheelbarrow, I don't know. But see, this is the challenge of Jesus. He had a lot of nice things to say. That's why everybody you talk to admires Jesus. They appreciate him. But he was challenging, if we're just honest. Because what he's saying is, there's two roads. There's not many roads. There's two. There's a narrow road, and there's a broad road. There's a narrow gate, there's a broad gate. And like, you have to choose. That's what he's driving home here in this moment. And so, friend, real simply tonight, where are you? That's the question. On which road are you walking? For some of us here who have been followers of Jesus, and maybe you've come to a place in your life where you've said yes to him, and that you've put your faith in what he did, not in a faith in what you can do and how you try to work your way to a perfect and holy God and try to be in some kind of right relationship with God, that I'm going to try to do more good things than bad things. You've kind of come to the place where you realize, listen, that's a treadmill that I'll never arrive to my actual destination I want to get to. I'm just going to run and run and run and get really, really tired and really worn out and really beat up, and I'm never going to be able to get there. And maybe you've come to a place where you've said, man, this Jesus guy, he, he really has some powerful things to say in life, and it, it's through his life and his death and his resurrection, he actually says, if you want to have life with God, then trust me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to the Father. And if you want to have life with God, then you've got to put your faith in me. Get in the wheelbarrow. And for some of us, we have. And, and he's taken us on this journey that has been amazing and been life-giving, and been challenging and beautiful. And you are a different person than you were when you said yes to him. And you are a better person because of who you're walking with, and it's changed you. But maybe even tonight, you realize, gosh, there are some doors of my heart that I have closed off to Jesus. Where I've said, hey, you can have all this, and you can have all this, and uh, we'll have church life together, but there's some doors where you're like, ah, I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm just going to close, I'll hold the key, I got it, um, and that's just going to be mine, Jesus. We're no, no touchy uh, with that. And so, but maybe even now, Jesus is saying, listen, listen, no, no, no. See, this, there's no neutrality. There's no stagnantness in this. In this. There's, there's no one sits on the fence here. You either are a yes, I'm all in, or no, I'm not. And so Jesus might even be knocking on the doors of your life saying, hey, uh, this one, you've been, you've been closing the door to this. I really want to do some work, some healing work in here, some helpful work in here, but you've been closing this off to me. I need you to open that so that I can come in my love and my hope and my grace can begin to change that. That might be you tonight. For others of you, maybe you're kind of on this spiritual journey, you're investigating, and maybe you even walked in here with this kind of reality mindset of, hey, all religions lead to God, and I'm just going to follow this one, I'll find this one, I'll take a little bit of this, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of this, and I'll kind of make my own. A lot of people do that. The problem with that is that Jesus says that's not reality. Sure, you can attempt that, but that's actually the broad road. And it's going to lead you to a destination away from life. But I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Will you trust me? I'm the one who can lead you there. 
And maybe for some of you, you've been searching for a whole lot of things. You've been trying to curate and kind of create your own kind of religion. You've been trying to figure things out. And what Jesus, he might be challenging and knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, you have tried everything and it's not led you to where you want to be. Will you try me now? Will you move from someone who just admires me to someone who follows me? And we'll figure it out as we go. I'm not asking to be perfect in this. I'm not asking to have everything figured out. I'm just asking you to take a step. Will you take a step with me? Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How do you become a follower of Jesus? You just acknowledge that he really is who he says he is and that I really need him and and that I can't figure out a way to get life with God without him because I'll never arrive there. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and that you're saved. That's what Paul is saying. For some of you, you realize that just like in Jesus' day when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, you've been part of the crowd. You've admired Jesus. He finishes teaching, you, you hear things that he says about life, and you go, man, that is so good. I appreciate that so much. The problem is Jesus never said, would you please admire me? No. What he says to individuals, to you, to me, is very simple. Will you follow me? Will you get in the wheelbarrow? Will you trust me? Plain and simple. And maybe the challenge tonight is Jesus is tapping on your heart saying, would you move from an admirer of me to a follower of me? Because I want to bring about some transformation and change in your life that you cannot produce on your own. But I have good things to give you. So friend, here's the invitation to you tonight. I'm gonna invite all of us just to kind of bow our heads and close our eyes. I wanna give you a moment just between you and God. We're gonna move into a time of worship to a worship song here in a moment. And here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. Just in these next 30 seconds and in this final song that we sing together, you can stand, you you can sit, you can do whatever you like. But I'm gonna invite you to consider two things. One is if you're a person who has said yes to Jesus before, you're a follower of him. Maybe you've deviated, maybe you've closed the door in a few areas of your life and you've sensed that he's saying, listen, I wanna do some work in this area, I wanna do some work on these things, I wanna do some work within your life and you've been kind of keeping him at arm's length, you've kind of pushed him to say, "I I let you admire, I admire what you had to say about that but I don't know if I wanna change. Maybe this is the invitation to say, uh, to re-anchor yourself to Jesus, to retrust again. Jesus, okay, I'm gonna trust you in that area too. For some of you who are here, maybe you've been coming, you've been on a spiritual journey, you've been on a search for yourself, and tonight I'm being really direct because Jesus is really direct. He's saying, listen, there's a narrow road, there's a broad road. There's no third road. Will you choose him or will you not? And so the invitation tonight is real simple for maybe some of you here, maybe some of you watching online. Will you say yes to Jesus?
saying yes to him just says, I need you. I need your forgiveness for my sin. I need your healing for my heart. I need you to be my savior and the leader of my life. I don't want to settle just to be an admirer of you, to just appreciate you. I want to be saved by you. I want to be embraced by you. Jesus sought you. You realize Jesus gave his life for you. He pursued a relationship with you, but he's a gentleman. What he longs is for you to turn and say yes to him, to choose him. And if that's your decision tonight, you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to be incredibly bold. No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. If that's you tonight, I'm asking you to raise your hand to stand up where you're at. That, okay, I've, I've been an admirer of Jesus, but I want to be a follower of him. If that's you, I'm just asking you to stand up. Let your body do what your heart is wanting to do. I see you. I see you. I appreciate you saying yes to Jesus. Anybody else? That you want to move from being an admirer of Jesus to a follower. I see you. I see you. I see you. This is the challenge in our day, friends. See, it's one thing to appreciate Jesus. It's one thing to be an admirer. It's another thing to be a follower. So Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who have raised their hand, who have stood to their feet. They're saying yes to you, Jesus. Maybe a simple prayer that you can pray. There's nothing magical about a prayer. It's just, Jesus, I need you. I trust my life to you for the forgiveness of my sin, the healing of my heart, that you would come into my life and be my savior and my leader going forward. And if that's you tonight, then maybe during this next song or before you leave tonight, I want you to share that with someone that invited you, to share that with someone that you know, that you trust. Let them know, hey, I said yes to Jesus tonight because we want to be a church that celebrates you. Moving from an admirer to a follower. Do you know heaven throws a party every time someone says yes to Jesus? There's a party going on with your name on it tonight. That is an amazing reality. And so as we sing this final song, God, I pray your blessing over each one who said yes to you. I pray your blessing over each one who said, okay, <clears throat> there's been some areas of my life that I've closed off. So if you're standing now, I invite you, you can sit back down if you want. In a moment, we may stand to all worship together, but you tell someone tonight that you said yes to Jesus and let them celebrate, let us celebrate with you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to bless you in that way. And so Jesus, we give this next song to you. We pray that you would be at work in our hearts, steering us to be people who follow after you, who don't just admire you from a distance, but follow you in proximity, and may you be the one who transforms and changes our life one day at a time, one area at a time, one decision at a time, and would you leverage our life to invite others into proximity with you, we pray.
to Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever. Jesus, we love you. We lift our hands up, we lay our whole life down. We don't want to be just admirers of you. We want to be followers of you. Sure, we're going to mess up. We're not going to get that right all the time. But we want to live life with you, not just around you. God, for some of us, that's a call to a faraway place. To be a light in the darkness. Would you empower God, for some of us, it's just going around the corner. To be a light there, would you empower us? Would you leverage our lives as followers of you to make a difference in this world, to see people say yes to you? We want to join the chorus and the party of heaven that celebrates. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, um, Let's just celebrate God calling some people home tonight and them saying yes to him. That is an amazing reality. And so to those of you who stood, raise your hand. If, if you don't have a Bible, we've got one. We want to give it to you. Talk to a friend that brought you. We want to celebrate you. I've talked to a couple of you real quick, but just want to celebrate you saying yes to Jesus, to being moving from an admirer to a follower of him. For some of you, you may have just kind of, maybe this is kind of like a rededicated moment. Hey, I want to realign my life to that. Then friend, may you sense and be surprised by God this week. Over and over, may he surprise you with his delight and his love and his grace and his hope, his delight in you, friend. There isn't anything that jazzes the heart of Jesus more than people who say yes to him or to say yes again to him or yes again or they fall and get back up and say yes again. That jazzes the heart of Jesus every time. So may you be surprised by his blessing, his presence in your life this week. A couple of just closing things. Um, thank you to all of you who give around here. We don't pass a plate. We do giving in boxes in the back. Or a lot of people give online. You help us do everything we do as a church from turning lights on to staff to uh, just making things happen like food boxes and blessing people. We've got people who are going through challenges in life who are able to give benevolence because of your generosity. And so we're able to walk alongside people as a church. And that's a cool thing. And so thanks for being a part of that. Uh, we have a worship night coming up here the last Sunday of July. So we'll finish our Sermon on the Mount. This whole summer we spent on it. We'll finish it next week. Uh, in that, then we'll have a worship night the following Sunday. We've got a couple people getting baptized here soon. Excited for that. Dinner tonight is La Prius Suiza off of Speedway if you're interested. And so if you want to be a part of that, um, we are heading there. And people usually get there in about 25 minutes or so. We do have a 10-minute party right back there. It lasts how long? Less than 10 minutes. And so if you are new, I would love to meet you, kind of hear your story a little bit back there. You can meet us there. It'll be there in less than 10 minutes. We'd connect that way. Uh, but um, also in 10 minutes, I didn't ask you, but Tyler and Megan, 
could we pray for you in like 10 minutes so we finish the 10 minute party and then we gather around you do you have to run uh, these are my friends Tyler and Megan Goodwillie you know them they were a part of our church for a long time um, <clears throat> they are heading overseas to be a light in a dark place in a couple weeks literally um, and for the next year plus and so we want to pray a blessing over you and we'll do that so we'll gather right down here in about 10 minutes sound cool if you're online, just pray from your house. Okay, so um, we'll do that. But uh, friend, may you be blessed this week. May the God of peace and love go with you. May he surprise you often and may he leverage your life to make a difference in the hearts of the people around you. If you're new, I'll see you at the 10 minute party in 28 seconds. Go, bye.